Steve Messer of Concerned Off-Road Bicyclists Association. It's been a while. It's been way too long. We've got so much happening and I appreciate the opportunity to share what we've been up to. I'm a full-time volunteer with the Concerned Off-Road Bicyclists Association and I've been serving as president of the organization now for uh, eight years and uh, before that vice president. I just like to be able to follow my passion and support the mountain biking community and our open spaces and public lands that have given me so much over the years and I like to be able to give back. Mm -hmm. Do you do different types of cycling or is it all? Yes, mountain biking is my passion but um, whenever possible I'll bike commute. I do road ride occasionally but but mountain biking is where my heart is really. And is it uh, San Gabriel area mountains? Well I live in northeast LA so the San Gabriel mountains are the closest to me as far as the, the most op- riding opportunities for mountain biking. But um, Concerned Off-Road Bicyclists Association, CORBA, covers the Rim of the Valley Corridor. So we include the Santa Monica Mountains, the Santa Susana Mountains, the San Gabriel Mountains, and the entire Rim of the Valley Corridor. The Rim of the Valley. Yeah, the Rim of the Valley. That was a, an effort put together in the in, that started in the 80s. And there was a vision to have a trail that encircled the San Fernando Valley and um, would be uh, open to multiple uses and just a way to connect people with um, with their open spaces because LA is surrounded by open spaces that a lot of people don't know that we have them. And one of the big things that we've happened that just happened recently is the San Gabriel Mountains National Monument, uh, which was declared by President Obama in 2014. Mm-hmm. We just got the final version of the management plan that was released last week. And um, I serve on the San Gabriel Mountains Community Collaborative. And that group helped inform the Forest Service and commented heavily on the management plan so that we can all be proud of what's in the plan and and move towards implementing it. What is the plan? It's an amendment to the existing forest management plan. So every national forest in the country has a, has a management plan that directs what kind of activities can take place in what parts of the forest and under what conditions. It includes uh, provisions for preserving open space and habitats, um, recreation, trails, camping, all of those things are covered in the management plan. And then it gets down to forest management itself, like control burns and fuels reduction, um, tree mortality from bark beetle disease and and other, other insects. So um, a management plan is a comprehensive document. The only thing that really changed with the San Gabriel Mountains National Monument, aside from all the additional attention that the San Gabriel Mountains now have because of that uh, monument designation, is that mining interests are no longer permitted in the National Monument, except for valid existing claims. So there'll be no new mining claims made available to the the San Gabriel Mountains. So this rim corridor, though, is that a trail? It's a vision for a trail. There are segments of it that are complete. And there's a section in Glendale that is actually called Rim of the Valley. There's a section through the San Rafael Mountains and Hahamonga Park over by Pasadena. But it's it's being pieced together. You have to realize when when people envision these these long distance trails like the Pacific Crest Trail or the the Arizona Trail or long distance trails in general, they tend to be put together in stages as funding and as um, property becomes available. 
because a, a, a land manager needs to take ownership or at least get an easement from a willing, a willing landowner to create the trail. So this vision that has that started in the 80s um, has actually been introduced into Congress by Adam Schiff as a bill called the the Rim of the Valley uh, Corridor Act, and that would expand the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area to include the Santa Susana Mountains and the Rim of the Valley. So all the way through the Santa Susana Mountains, Verdugo Mountains, San Rafael Hills, and um, San Gabriel Mountains. So it's, the Rim of the Valley now has um, legislation that could support actually getting that trail together. Although I'm, I'm doubtful that I'll see it in my lifetime, but it's, mm. uh, it is a great um, vision to have. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, we got a call. This is Peter. Another initiative that Corba has been working on for the past three years is getting a bike skills park. And um, our first park opened last year at Sapui Trails Community Park in Thousand Oaks, um, which is a 140-acre park, in, and they've given us a couple of acres in the middle of that park to build a, a bike park. And Corba set up a committee to, um, of locals, people who are local to that park, to help um, help manage it, help maintain it, do volunteer work to construct it. And right now we're fundraising to build phase two. Peter, who is on the line, thanks for joining us, Peter, is the chair of our um, Sapwe Trails committee. And so he's, um, I'd like him to talk a little bit about the fundraiser we have going on right now to build phase two of the park. Great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, the Sapwe Bike Park, which is in the middle of... Um, you know, Thousand Oaks um, is a community-driven um, and uh, park um, within a community park. Um, and currently, we have a portion of a built, which is uh, there's a small pump track out there, which has been in September since the whole community park was opened in uh, in September when they did the ribbon cutting. And what we have is. Um, trying to raise money to build out the second phase of the park, and we have a giant Trans Advance Pro 29. It's basically a team-build bike um, that you can um, go to our website at sapwebikepark.com or Facebook page Bike Park or um, Instagram. You may, need and to, you may need to spell that, actually, I think. Um, S A P W I uh, bike park. So Sapwe. Uh, Thanks. It's a Chumash Indian thing uh, that means deer fields. Hmm. So this um, bike, um, you for five dollars for every five dollars you donate to the um, uh, the bike park, you get a chance to win this uh, win this bike. And, and we hope to use that. And what's the value of that bike? It's about uh, $9,500. What? Yeah, it's a really high-end yeah. uh, mountain bike. It's Right now it's on it's, display at uh, Newbury Park Bike Shop. That's like Powerball. Yeah, this that's is like... the... <laughs> yeah, we hope to uh, raise quite a bit of money and get a lot of... It's, uh, it's, it's the real deal. It's what uh, Elliot Jackson... And McKay Venza um, use um, the actual bike. So 
there is a, a full line, a full size line available. So no matter what size you are, we'll have um, a bike for you. So yeah, go to the Sapley Bike Park um, dot com page and click on Dough for the Flow fundraiser button, and it'll take you right to the um, Giving Fuel. Uh, website that we created has all the information, all the specifications, and um, how you can uh, donate and get an opportunity to win. And Peter, you, you described phase one, which is already open, is the pump track. What's going to be in phase two? Phase um, two, we're going to build the the, the starting hill, um, which will have three runs is the goal, and there will be... Um, Start from like a beginner, and then um, our immediate, intermediate, and then a little more advanced run, and then when we, that's the first phase, the next phase that we're doing, and then we'll add um, some more features and then more advanced lines um, to follow. So these lines are jump lines. So they're they're places where kids can get out, or adults, kids of all ages, and practice their jumping skills in a safe environment. And um, we've yeah. been pushing for this for a long time. We've worked with um, the city of Los Angeles and the county of Los Angeles to identify other opportunities. But this is the first one we've got up and running and open to the public. So we're really excited about it. And the fundraiser that's coming on is going to allow us to finish that phase two. And already we're seeing dozens and dozens of kids out there on the track every every afternoon after school and on weekends. So. We know there's demand there, and we know it's going to get used. So I want to thank Peter. Thank you for um, leading the Sapwe Trails Committee and um, all the work that you've put into making this bike park a reality. Yeah, thank Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's really cool. What does a $9,500 bike do? It's really light. It has the the, uh, lightest components and the highest end spec that you can get. It's the same bike that the pros are racing for Mm. the giant factory team essentially so it's a it's a very expensive bike it costs more than my motorcycle mm. <laughs> so uh yeah there's a lot of a lot of um, high-end bikes out there so we're really grateful to giant and to sram and other companies that have uh, donated the bike and and the components to for us to be able to do this fundraiser yeah and um so well i just will move on to Yes, yeah, so this um, so that bike park is out in Thousand Oaks, and we've been working with the city of Los Angeles as well. Uh, and um, we met last week with uh, Herb Wesson's office, Council District Ten, and um, and we gave them a proposal about three years ago for a bike skills park. And it looks like now they have uh, funding for it and uh, moving forward. So we're really excited to get uh, the first pump track built in the city of Los Angeles. Can you define pump track? A pump track is a series of of rollers and berms that allows you to propel yourself on a bicycle without pedaling by just using uh, your body weight and your body English to to, uh, compress on the downhill side of a a roller. And a roller is just like a sine wave, if you imagine a sine wave, and it lets you pump the bike through the through those rollers and gain momentum without any pedaling and when you when you really do it with effort it becomes a full body workout 
<laughs> and it's a lot of fun. It's it helps build skills. It helps you um, be more confident on a on a mountain bike and on any type of bicycle because you're learning skills that translate to all forms of cycling. Hmm. So in CD10, Council District 10, um, they have a small site. It's at Carmona and Jefferson, and uh, we're looking to get that up and running as well. What? Have you seen where, where have you where are we looking at bike parts parks that we're emulating? Right now, there are there are bike parks under construction in Orange County. In there are two in San Diego County. There is one it, open right now up in Fillmore. Uh, there's one in Lompoc. There's one in Kernville. So there are these are and when I say bike park, these are municipal free bike parks. They're like the skateboard parks that, that you see around but specifically for bicycles. And these are different from the commercial lift access bike parks like Mammoth, Mountain, and and, um, and places like that around Lake Tahoe where they have lift access and, and trails built specially for downhill riding. The The municipal bike parks that we're bringing is, is really bringing the riding to the people. If, if, um, if you imagine in CD10, you're a long way from any real open space. There is the Baldwin Hills, but... Um, there isn't a lot of trail, there are a lot of riding, and there's no place for jumps and things like that, and that's what a lot of kids want to do. You know, even as a kid, I remember sticking a, a two-by-six on a milk crate and making a jump out in the mm-hmm. street in front of my house and and losing skin off my knees that way. Mm-hmm. And um, we want to be able to give kids a place to do that where it's safe and not on the street. So having sure. a bike park in the in CD10 would be great. We're also working on another bike park up in uh, the Sepulveda Basin area in Nuri Martinez district. So that's a little not as far along, and we haven't identified funding yet, but um, it looks promising. And this is Corba working on this? This is Corba, yeah. We have, um, I've set up committees to work on the different projects, and so Peter's the chair of the committee, and I'll be putting together a committee to work on these other bike park projects with the city of L.A., Additionally, we also have some proposals with the County of Los Angeles. So we have um, a county proposal for one up in the Castaic area, and that's already approved in a plan, but it's just a plan at the moment. There's no funding and no um, no energy behind it. And there is another one approved at the Pointy Hills Landfill, and that's slated for construction. Uh, when it was originally approved, it was slated to begin later this year. So I'll, we'll, I'd like to see that happen, but not sure if it will. Mm-hmm. And in CD10, what do we know the exact place it would go if it was in there or no? It's a small lot at Jefferson and Carmona, hmm. and um, right now it's owned by the DWP. So the the council district is trying to get an agreement with the DWP to be able to use their property for this this um, pump track. Great. So that's exciting, and yeah. then. Um, Something else that um, I'm involved with, and this is not my project directly, but it's a project of the Mount Wilson Bicycling Association. They're a sister organization to us, to Corba, and they are building trails up at uh, Mount Waterman. Now, Mount Waterman is a ski area that's up on Highway 2 in the Angeles National Forest. It's actually in the San Gabriel Mountains National Monument, and... This is the first year they've been able to open for skiing in five or six years Mm. because of the drought. So um, in 2011, there was a legislation passed called the Ski Area Recreation Enhancement Act, 
and that allowed ski areas to run summer operations on the same permit that they run their winter operations, which made it much easier for the, these ski areas that are on national forest lands to, um, to operate year-round, because mm-hmm. with winters getting shorter, this is a, an option for them to stay in business. So um, with Mount Waterman, we have um, six trails flagged out and planned, um, thanks to the work of Matt Baffett from the Mount Wilson Bicycling Association. They also have grant funding to get the first, uh, the first three of those trails built, and we hope to ba- break ground on that this year. So that'll be lift access, mountain biking, uh, less than 45 minutes from, from the city. Right now, people have to go to Mammoth or Big Bear if they want to get that experience. So having it a little closer is going to be really nice. So I've never taken a ski lift to a mountain bike before. What's that like? How do you get your, your bike on a ski lift? I mean, is that obvious? Um, each ski area has a different different method. And some, some have just little hooks that you hang the bike on by the front wheel. And usually the lift operator will m- mount the bicycle for you and you just get in to get onto the chair behind it. So you don't have to manage that. Other lift areas have um, have racks where you where you roll the bike onto it, and it, they're designed like a like a rooftop rack on a that carries a bicycle. So um, there's different types, but it's relatively easy, and it's usually the lift operator that mounts the bicycle and and gets it off when you're at the top. Then when you get to the top, you get to enjoy a downhill run and. And the beauty of those types of experiences is that there's no other users on the trails. These trails are designated for mountain bikes and they're directional. So you don't don't have people coming the other direction. And um, you can go as fast as you want when it's uh, on a mountain bike park such as Waterman or Mammoth or, or North, North Star or any of those. So it's an experience that... We want to be able to provide to people because we don't, because that behaviour going downhill really fast is not appropriate on multi-use trails. And all of the trails in our public lands, or most of the trails in our public lands, are multi-use. There's hikers, there may be horses, equestrians. Um, there's a lot of trail runners and there's bicycles. So we'll have to share the trail. Sounds good. And so, what are you are you trying? You're put. You're moving something forward here. You're. Creating, we're creating a lift access um, mountain biking opportunities mm-hmm. locally in the San Gabriel Mountains National Monument. Okay. So that's the Mount Waterman project, and uh, b- being run by the Mount Wilson Bicycling Association. When is that? When am I going to be able to go do that? Well, we finished flagging the trails last week, and we hope to break ground on the first three of those trails in the next few months, and be be riding those trails by the end of the year. And um, then we'll have to raise money and do some more fundraising. The Mount Wilson Bicycling Association is also doing a fundraiser similar to ours for the um, Sapwee Bike Park in that they have a high-end bicycle that they're they're, um, giving away to someone who donates towards the project. It's a common way for mountain bike organisations to raise money is to do these giveaways so there's there's several going on around california right now up in santa cruz the mountain bikers of santa cruz have a program called anti up for trails and they're running a um they're running a giveaway for an ibis mountain bike also valued around the nine thousand dollar range 
And then there's the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship up around Downeyville and, and that area in Northern California. And they have another, they have a program as well where they're giving away a bike. So it's a common way for us to raise funds and, and it's a chance to win a really high-end bike that most people would never be able to afford for just a, a little donation. So there's a different uh, fundraiser, different bike? Yeah, different bikes, different companies. Um, we're, we're lucky in that our Giant Bicycles headquarters is just a few miles from Sapwee Bike Park, so it's right in their backyard. Oh. So they have, a, they have an interest in seeing it completed, and we appreciate the support of having them. And up in Santa Cruz, that's the Santa Cruz is the hometown of Ibis Bicycles. So Ibis is donating a bike to the Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz for their fundraising efforts. Wow. So much, so much happening in the world of mountain bikes. There really is. Um, something else I wanted to talk about was um, we've been out uh, building new trails up in Santa Clarita. So we have a committee up in Santa Clarita, the Santa, Santa Clarita Valley Trail Users. They're a committee of, of CORBA. And we got a grant from REI. We've actually had multiple grants from REI for, um, for Sapwe Bike Park, for this project in Santa Clarita, and, uh, and other projects that I can also mention. But up in East Walker Ranch, which is a, an old ranch property recently acquired recently in the last few years, acquired by the city of Santa Clarita as open space. And we approached them with a proposal to build a few trails that would help connect the neighborhoods of Santa Clarita to the Angeles National Forest. And so far we've built about four and a half miles of those trails. And it's, it's really wonderful to see people being able to ride out of their back door get on a trail and um, end up in the National Forest. It's a, mm. So those trails are being under construction right now and, and REI has uh, been the main funder of those trails. So we're really excited to get that going. We actually have trail work going out tomorrow, uh, June 8th, in uh, doing maintenance on some of the trails that we built last year. So with all the rains we had this past winter, the grass and and brush is growing back really quickly. So we need to get out there and keep them keep those trails clear. So you have these get like they're kind of are they fun these trail building things because it's mostly volunteers. It's all volunteers, yeah, and it, it is a lot of fun. It's hard work, um, but it's uh, there's something especially rewarding about doing trail work when you get out there and you see see a landscape transform from from not being difficult to navigate to having a path through it and watching that trail come together and then being able to ride it or hike it or run it later on and say and realize that you had a part in building this trail and it might, it's going to be here for for you know many many years and it's a way of giving back to the community and giving back to the sport and um, helping steward our public lands so it's we really appreciate all the volunteers that come out and help us uh, last year, we had a, a big success with um, restoring the Gabrielino National Recreation Trail in the in the Angeles National Forest. Uh, that trail was closed right after the station fire in 2009, and it was closed for nine years. So having that trail reopened, which took um, nine months and almost 2,000 volunteer hours to, to rebuild, 
uh, took two grants, one from REI, one from Edison, and a professional contractor, and 100 volunteers, and we rebuilt that um, that six-mile section of trail in seven months, and it's now open to the public after being closed for almost nine years. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, uh, so how do I get to these trails from here? Well, there are... They're local. The best way for most people to um, find where to ride, of course, I wrote a book 12 years ago called Where to, where to Bike, Los Angeles Mountain Biking. But um, there are apps now that uh, are very useful. There's Trail Forks, there's MTB Project, and those two are the most popular. And you can use your phone GPS to find exactly where the nearest trails are to you. And they're uh, donated by... Uh, the data in those uh, apps is up, uploaded by the public. So these these are crowdsourced uh, data sets and showing all the trails and descriptions. Sorry, I just had a phone malfunction over here. So you're you're, and, and I entirely missed what you were just saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just saying um, to find out where to go ride. There's uh, trail forks com as a website and there's also an app that you can use on your phone and actually follow the trails on your phone as you're riding. Another one that does the same thing is MTB Project and these are curated crowdsourced lists of, of potential rides and with your cell phone and a data connection, uh, you d- I mean you don't need a data connection because you download all the data before you head into the open space and that and you can use these apps to find uh, places to ride cool i keep meaning to do this and somehow i haven't been mountain biking i i don't think i've even ever really i mean i've been on mountain bikes but not in the in the like real what you're describing well we'll have to take you out sometime and we've said that before too (laughs) we have but it has to happen yep that's right Somehow I've got to talk myself into, like, getting... It's that drive to the trail, I think, that keeps me from doing it. Yeah, so um, you bring up an important point there. Getting to the trails is is a barrier f- to a lot of um, disadvantaged communities. And um, one of the exciting things that, about the San Gabriel Mountains National Monument and the management plan I mentioned earlier that just came out last week is that it includes direction for a transportation plan for the forest. And within that transportation plan, they're, they're looking for ways to connect uh, public transit to the, the national forest. So with the Gold Line and the Gold Line extension coming, you have a, a perfect rail opportunity that parallels the base of the mountains. And there have been a couple of trial shuttle services from the Gold Line station at Acadia uh, and that mm-hmm. up to Chantry Flat, which is a beautiful place up up in the forest where there's waterfalls and streams and camping. And um, another pilot project that took people to a trailhead on Lake Avenue for the Sam Merrill Trail. So those, are, those two pilot projects were very successful. And within the management plan that just came out, there is direction to further those that transportation option and help get disadvantaged communities easier access to their public lands. Because we all know that public lands and, and um, being in the forest has definite measurable health effects. Mm. 
there's a there's a practice that's common in Japan and Korea and Asian countries called forest bathing. Huh. And it, wow. in forest bathing, and it's growing now. You'll you'll probably hear about it sometime soon if you haven't already. Well, you're hearing it out from me now. It's but, familiar. But yeah, forest bathing is a way of connecting to the to the environment, to the, the your surroundings in a and in a in a way that's not just um, not just the type of experience you'd get on a bicycle, where you have physical activity. And and momentum and adrenaline and and all of these uh, th- focus things like that. Forest bathing is more mindful, so it's more quiet and reflective, and it's a really common practice among Asian communities. So if you're out on trails in our national forest, you'll often see large groups of of Korean hikers because they go up to the National Forest by the bus to do, participate in this forest bathing. And it has been shown to intre- decrease cortisol levels and to um, decrease stress and improve health. So, And there are studies ongoing in Japan about the health benefits of that. So it's um, it's something that you don't need anything to do other than be in the forest and, and be mindful. How, how do you... What is bathing in the forest look like? How would you know that somebody's actually bathing? Well, it isn't It isn't exactly bathing in the traditional sense of soap and water. It's bathing in the energy and the ambience of the forest. So, you know, a typical guided um, session, I participated in one recently, was um, like a guided meditation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, clear your mind, calm down, look down, notice what's on the ground, look for the fine things, look for movement and and empty your mind and oh. just be at one with the forest. It's a it's a really interesting experience and if you really get into it, it does have a meditative quality about it. And well, it you, sounds like meditation. It is. It is a form of meditation really. But the, but over meditation is the fact that it's out in the, in at the natural environment. And um, you're away from the, the hustle and bustle of city life. You're surrounded by nature, and it just makes a, a big difference being able to be mindful and be connected to the forest. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Which do you prefer, forest bathing or mountain biking? Uh, I think aspects of both. But I do enjoy mountain biking to places that I can go forest bathing. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> put it that way. And then what else? Well, um, there's some other legislation pending right now. There's the San Gabriel Mountains and Foothills Protection Act. And uh, that was introduced by Judy Chu and a companion bill in the Senate by Kamala Harris. And that would um, expand the National Monument. And it would also create a new national recreation area that includes all of the foothill communities along the base of the, um, along the south uh, base of the San Gabriel Mountains and include the river corridors, Whittier Narrows, the Rio Hondo and places like that. So it would become a national recreation area under the direction of the National Park Service. And it really wouldn't change much in what what is actually happening on the ground. But what it, what the bill will do is allow existing land managers such as the county, such as the Whittier um, 
the, uh, the conservancies, the Whittier Hills Conservancy and other, other groups that own land, it would allow them to partner with the National Park Service and bring in park service biologists, botanists, recreation specialists to assist them. So it, it, um, there's a lot of confusion about, about how these types of acts uh, change things on the ground. So the Rim of the Valley Corridor Act and this act both would authorise the National Park Service to engage in projects with willing partners, but it doesn't take away any rights from anybody. It doesn't take away the rights of private landowners. It, it only involves willing participants and partners. So that that San Gabriel Mountains and Foothills Protection Act also creates two new wilderness areas, the Condor Peak Wilderness and the Yerba Buena Wilderness Area. And I worked with the Wilderness Society and the Sierra Club to make sure that when they when they planned out this wilderness, they also kept open a very what to me is a, a very important trail, the Condor Peak Trail. Mm -hmm. And because um, you may not know, but uh, bicycles are not allowed in designated wilderness areas. So if that were to become a wilderness area, we'd lose the Condor Peak Trail, which is uh, one of the last long distance backcountry trails that we have that gives that type of experience. We've lost other trails to previous wilderness designations. So um, it was really wonderful to work with the Sierra Club and the Wilderness Society to make this bill something that we could uh, live with and, um, and something that further protects the, the land and the, the area around Condor Peak, which is um, it's a beautiful section of the forest. How do they make it something you can live with? Uh, be, because it doesn't close the trail. The, they draw, drew the boundaries of the wilderness area so that the, the trail, the Condor Peak Trail, will remain oh. outside the wilderness area. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's a little different doing mountain bike advocacy to road bike advocacy in that in um, with road bike adv advocacy and I've done a lot of work with the LACBC as well as a as a neighbourhood ambassador, but um, there we're advocating for the city or the Department of Transport to go out and do things for us. When with mountain biking advocacy, we're advocating for permission to go out and do those things and build those things ourselves. Is often, and um, and that means there's a bigger role for volunteers to participate and give back. So it's a it's a different different animal to road biking advocacy. Mm. Can you explain that a little bit more? Well, as I said, um, the difference between road bike advocacy. And well, the di the difference being that we if we propose a bike lane we're not the ones not going the ones, out right. going out and painting it whereas if we propose a new trail we're going to go out and build the trail after, mm -hmm. after we get permission and after it goes through environmental review so um, that's that's the major difference is that we're asking for permission to go out and do stuff on the ground not asking not necessarily asking for the land manager to go and do it for us because so, most of them just don't have the resources now so they have to rely on volunteers to get most of the work done. And do you need specialized equipment? Um, yeah, we have we have tools for trail building. They're similar to fire fire uh, tools in that we use McLeods and Pigmatics and other tools that firefighters use to create fire lines. And when you're creating a fire line, you're just clearing brush and 
creating a trail starts off the same way. You clear the brush first and open up the trail corridor, then you cut the bench of the trail. So the having volunteers do the work is um, is really rewarding, and it's it's great to be able to have a hundred volunteers show up over the course of seven months every every other week to rebuild a trail, which is what happened with the Gabrielino Trail project last year. How do you get people to keep coming and stay motivated? Well, when you get out there, it's a lot of fun, and you don't realize how much fun it is seeing the transformation of you know, something that was impassable. Maybe there's fallen trees or or the brush has grown in and choked off the trail, so you have to bushwhack your way through it. And seeing the before and after is really motivating and rewarding. So it's a, and it's also a lot of fun. You're out there with um, often with people you know and with friends, and and you'll make new friends, and um, and give back to the trail. So we have trail work with the Mount Wilson Bicycling Association coming up uh, on the third Sunday of every month up in the up in the San Gabriel Mountains. Third Sunday of every month. Okay, and we go to the. Corbo website? You can go to the Corbo website um, for opportunities to volunteer or the Mount Wilson Bicycling Association. That's mwba.org. And Corba's website is Corba, C-O-R-B-A-M-T-B.com. Well, this would be a good point to uh, say, ask if you have anything else you want to... Um, the last thing I want to mention was um, there's another piece of legislation currently in California. It's AB 1111, and it would create the Office of Outdoor Recreation. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a this is a um, this is a bill that would create a an office who would look out for recre- look out for recreation interests and the economic benefits they bring to the state. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Similar legislation passed uh, a couple of years ago, but uh, Governor Brown vetoed it, saying that that should be the jurisdiction of state parks, of the Department of uh, Parks and Recreation, which is California State Parks. But um, that that really doesn't fly because California State Parks' mandate is just the California State Park land. The Office of Outdoor Recreation would work with um, not just state parks, but also federal land from the BLM and the Forest Service, and the Fish and Wildlife Service, and counties, cities, and and anyone else with recreation opportunities. So we see a need for that because there's no there's no one advocating for outdoor recreation and the economic benefits that it brings to to the state or to a city or county. And there's a lot of um, a lot of cities in remote areas of the country that are revitalizing their economies by turning from from either timber production or farming to recreation uh, based around around trails and mountain biking specifically. So having an office of outdoor recreation is something that we really want to see. So we're urging people to support AB 1111. You know, this is getting me to think about climate change and how ski resorts are going to maybe turn into mountain biking resorts. Well, in the summer, the, um, a lot of them already do. So... Um, but it's it's a way for them to to stay financially solvent, and that's something that an office of outdoor recreation would work with them to ensure that that continues. Wow, so many so many possibilities. Yes, we've been busy. There's been lots to talk about, but um, that's that, those are the main things I wanted to cover tonight. Can I ask you a question? I I have a new 
ish baby of nine months old and or ten now months and congratulations thank you and we haven't even really taken her on a on any bike yet but do you take small children mountain biking um there are people who will take kids on uh, on mountain bikes i have a friend who who uh took his little brother to um mammoth mountain at two years old at uh, two and a half years old on a strider bike he was out on the trails up in mammoth so yeah, you can start on a Strider bike, and if you if you're unfamiliar with a Strider bike, it doesn't have any pedals, right. so kids can learn to balance using their feet to stabilize them instead of trainer wheels, and that teaches them much much more quickly and naturally to um, to ride a bicycle, and recommendations are vary starting from 18 months, or sometimes even younger if they're, if they're walking they're, they can. If, if the child is able to walk, they're able to use a strider bike and learn how to ride. So there's no, um, there's no need for training wheels anymore. I think they actually hurt more than they help. They, they become a crutch for kids to lean on instead of learning to balance by themselves. So if, look into strider bikes. or They're the best way to get kids out, up and running. But then there are some people who will take kids out on trailers behind their bikes but on mellower trails only usually or fire roads but you do see whole families out there and one of the greatest things that's happened in the last 10 years is the SoCal High School Mountain Bike League Um, high school racing has really blown up in Southern California such that the high school races now attract almost 3,000 people so so how does that work? They they line the the path like in those big races. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, they're very well run. They're professionally run, and um, there's about there's over eighty teams in Southern California right now. And um, the, one of the problems the league is having is that they're getting so large because for every student racing, and there's a thousand kids racing on some of these weekend races. For every kid that's racing, they usually have a sibling, a parent, and a coach. And so the footprint of these events is is very big, and they're having trouble finding venues that are large enough to accommodate them. So the league is likely to be splitting in the next year or two into two divisions so that they can have smaller events and then come together for a, for a larger finals. And... Um, with the Olympics coming in 2028, Benelli Regional Park is something that we've also been looking at because that is the site for the mountain biking at, in the 2028 Olympics. And uh, we had a meeting just a couple of weeks ago with uh, two of the members of the Olympic Committee and um, asking them about their plans for an Olympic mountain bike course. And we want to be able to use the course that they build for the 2028 Olympics for high school races. Mm. And, and how cool would that be if, if you're in high school and you're racing on a course and you knew this was the Olympic course? Yeah. And um, right now the world champion in cross country is, a, is an alumni of the high school mountain bike racing in Northern California, Kate Courtney. And she's just a shining example of what the high school mountain biking league is doing. And how it's growing the sport and bringing so many more people into it. You spoke earlier about um, disadvantaged communities, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would think that this is a sport that you'd have to have some resources to be able to participate in. 
That's true. It's not it's not cheap. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of teams get sponsors from local businesses and things like that to to um, participate. But the the league also has some programs uh, for loaning bikes and scholarships and other programs to get disadvantaged youth into the into the program. But the reality is, it, it is an expensive sport, so it it's, it takes some effort. And not just from the kids, it takes a, a commitment from the parents as well. Because getting kids to races, and it's a five-race season, and the races are anywhere from Kernville to Lake, uh, to the Inland Empire, so th- they're all over Southern California. And then the state championships alternate between Southern and Northern California. So if you want to participate at the state level, that mean, could mean traveling to Northern California for state finals. Well, it's like any other sport, <clears throat> probably, in that way. Yep. Or a lot of sports. Yep, it sure is. The difference is, that with a lot of sports, though, is that the parents are actually often out there riding with the kids, whereas you often won't see the parents out there swinging a baseball bat with the kids and you know having the same experience as the kids whereas with uh, mountain biking it's all ages so you can have little brothers it's it'll and it's not just high school mountain biking now it's uh, it's also middle school a couple of years ago they expanded to middle school racing as well well i teach in middle school and have a bike club and um if i can figure out how to get them there i'd love to do that well, I can put you in touch with some people and we can talk about how to make that happen. There's, one of the venues is going to be at Castaic Lake next year, so that's not too far away. It'd be a good a good opportunity to come up and, and check out one of the races. Well, it's great to have you on, Steve. Well, how long has it been? It's been a couple of years since I've been on, on this, the show here on Bike Talk. And and you made it worth the wait I've, with all the stuff. Yep, there's so much happened, and um, we're not stopping anytime soon. We've got plenty on our on our plate, and and keeping moving forward. Anytime you want to come on and talk about what's going on, you can. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 